0: Welcome back to Locked On Bears. I'm your host, Lauren Cox, from Pro Football Focus and USA Today's BearsWire.com, and I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears talk on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Today we're recapping the Bears' 17-3 win over the Carolina Panthers in Week 7. It wasn't necessarily a pretty game. It wasn't necessarily a exciting game for four quarters, but there was plenty to get fired up about. There was plenty to keep Bears fans at least tuned in for four quarters and attentive to how this team was going to play. Definitely a, a defensive dominant performance. So that's going to be the focus of today's podcast. We'll talk about Eddie Jackson's big touchdowns. We'll talk about sort of the other plays that, that that maybe get a little bit overshadowed by the big defensive plays. And as always, we will be sure to touch on a little bit of Mitchell Trubisky. But a lot of these podcasts and a lot of the recap podcasts, the focus is on Mitchell Trubisky and the offense, how he's progressing. But that just isn't going to be the case this week. And it really wasn't the case in this game. I mean, you, talk, you see an offense that throws the ball, you know, 14 passing plays, but really, Mitchell Trubisky attempts seven in this game that were actually you know thrown at receivers, and not really a, a, an offensive performance to, to dive too deep in. But this defense is definitely where we need to start, and, and and where we need to take maybe a bigger picture look at how this game played out. The story of everything that you know, the, the story of the game was Eddie Jackson, the the fumble recovery on the first drive of the game taking it back 75 yards for the touchdown. Then in the beginning of the second quarter, he gets the pick six, takes it back 76 yards for another touchdown. Those were the Bears' only two touchdowns in the game. You know, the offense got a field goal. The defense allowed a field goal, but largely there was a lot of three and outs and somewhat ugly football in between. And and that's sort of what the bigger point is here, is that these plays and these turnovers in particular, I think... A lot of luck goes into those turnovers. Obviously, they're huge plays, and it, it's huge for Eddie Jackson to take advantage. Of. But those two plays have a—you know—there weren't these phenomenal defensive individual performances to generate the turnover. The phenomenal individual performance on those plays came once the ball was in Eddie Jackson's hand. But the the fumble recovery. It was a a lateral from Cam Newton to Curtis Samuel, and he just dropped it, and it bounced. Uh, Another Panthers player got hands on it. A couple Bears players got hands on it, and it just continued to bounce and slip to the sideline where Eddie Jackson picked it up and ran back 75 yards, basically untouched. Great play by him, but there's a lot of luck that goes into that ball getting to Eddie Jackson and then once it gets to him, he takes over, and that's when you see his skill come in. But if Curtis Samuel catches that ball or a different player lands on it, it's not a game-changing 75-yard play. It's, it's kind of lucky that that turns into six points. And I think the same thing happened with the the interception return. It was a, a slant pass by Cam Newton to Calvin Benjamin, I believe might have been Devin Funches, and Prince Amukamara was in man coverage on them. He, I think he said after the game, something along the lines of, you know, that one he give, gave credit to the defensive backs coach, Ed Donatel, because he said, he said they've been taught to look for that. When the, when the wide receivers, it was a two-by-two two set, and the, he had, the wide receiver had a wide split, meaning he was, he, was split, he was lined up extra wide, and there were two receivers. He was taught to think that was a slant route was coming. The slant route was coming. Amukamara played it perfectly, and he got a hand in to deflect the ball. And that ball just happened to pop ten yards into the air, and Eddie Jackson was able to run under it and catch it. And there's a lot of luck that goes into popping a ball up ten yards in the air. You know, if Prince Mukamara swats that ball down, there's not a turnover there. And if that ball pops up in the air and and you know someone else catches it, it's not a turnover there. It's it was a great play by Jackson to get to that spot, make the interception, and then phenomenal play once he has the ball in his hands. But some luck goes into those turnovers, and I think it's important to recognize that there were 70 other plays by this defense that were still very important, and I think we need to talk a little bit about some of the struggles that they had, in, the, particularly in the first half. You talk about the first drive of that game that ended with the fumble recovery for a touchdown. The Carolina Panthers moved the ball 50 yards in eight plays. You know, the Bears sacked Cam Newton right away. They overcame it. They converted some big third downs the bears defense was getting gashed with some big plays some running plays too that were being successful that the panthers have had struggled doing have struggled re- reeling off this year and the bears defense was a little bit vulnerable then they get the fumble touchdown seven points on the board then they kind of got things together two two straight three and outs right after that the panthers were deflated the bears were inflated you know they were playing well they were excited they were motivated but then you know later on in the in the end of the second quarter the bears drive down and Connor barth you know he attempts that 52 yard field goal falls short was tipped a little bit but hardly you know, i don't know what you want to call it blocked missed whatever panthers take over from there first three plays 25 yards downfield and they get down into field goal range then you have the tipped pick six you know the bears uh, even on those turnover drives they weren't the defense wasn't dominating you know it was a lot more of that give up a lot of yards and then stand tall at the end you look at even the next drive after the pick 6 panthers go 16 plays 56 yards ends in a field goal they get points on the board then last play of the first or last drive of the first half 68 yards in 5 plays and you know the clock ran out and no points were on the board and and yes especially you know especially once the bears were up two touchdowns the defensive play calling gets a little bit conservative, but still, the, the Panthers in the first half in particular, they were moving the ball effectively in spite of the turnovers. The Bears' defense, was, you know, Prince of Mucamara played a, a decent game, but he was, you know, he was vulnerable a few times, and Christian Jones in coverage was vulnerable, and the Panthers were able to take advantage of that. The running game was getting going a little bit more than it had in, in weeks past, and I think the point here is that the Bears' defense didn't dominate. And we can get a little bit caught up in the big turnovers and the points, but the Bears defense did not dominate in this game. They were not bad at all. This is not a, the Bears defense was actually bad and they need to play better. That's not the point here. But I think fans can get carried away here that just because they put up 14 points on on two plays that were impressive by, by Eddie Jackson, but had a lot of luck to set them up, that doesn't. Mean this was a, a dominating defensive performance for every snap, and it seemed like it wasn't until Cam Newton got banged up in the second half. I want to say late in the third quarter, he started wincing a little bit, and he wasn't as mobile, wasn't as accurate, wasn't as physical as a runner. That's when you saw this defense start to run away with it a little bit. But in the first half, it was not a it was not a dominant performance by a defense. It was a it was a great individual effort from Eddie Jackson and some luck that put him in position to put up 14 points and really be the deciding factor in this game. Like I said, if Prince Mukumara bats that pass down instead of popping it up 15 feet in the air, or if Curtis Samuel catches that lateral and doesn't drop it, it's a different ballgame. And the perception of this defense is different. So, you know, we tend to let a couple big plays Define the game in our minds of of how the performance was but like I said there were 72 plays on this defense Two of them were phenomenal touchdown scoring plays But it's not as though that just means the other 70 were this great defensive performance I think a, a lot of you know a lot of plays were fine But there was some some shakiness early on that I just don't think should be overlooked again Not a bad defensive performance whatsoever Not saying it's something to be concerned about necessarily, but it's just about, you know, always looking for, you know, if you're the Bears coaching staff, you're trying to find things to improve on in this defense and you definitely need to address, you know, look, go back and look, don't be satisfied by a couple of defensive touchdowns. Go back and look at how you can be a more dominant defense for four quarters and how they can avoid you know, making the mistakes that hurt them early in this game to at least give up yards. You know, it's not, this is not a a, a panic. This is not a, a criticism necessarily. It's just a, something to keep in mind that the big plays can sometimes overshadow, you know, the, the shaky times early in the first half. Daddy, where do babies come from? Uh, well, uh, honey? Mommy went to the store. Oh, well, you see, um, well, there's a mommy and a daddy, right? Right. And see, when they call Geico, uh, they could save a bunch of money on car insurance. Oh, really? And that makes them happy? Yes, that makes them very happy. That's good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we could have this talk, sunshine. (laughs) Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. None of that is to discount any of the phenomenal individual performances on that side of the ball. And I think it's important to recognize some of them and, and maybe some of the others that uh, that aren't necessarily as phenomenal but are, are noteworthy. So I, I think for me, it starts with Akeem Hicks on this defensive line. Definitely another Pro Bowl-level performance from him. I mean, he bullied their right guard, Trey Turner, and when he got hurt and Amini Silatolu came in, that was even worse for the Panthers. You know, their center... Um, they went through a couple different centers. They both had some trouble with him as well. They didn't really have many good options for containing Akeem Hicks, particularly in the pass rush. Pro Football Focus credited him with one sack and seven quarterback hurries. And you might remember Akeem Hicks had another sack where he grabbed onto Cam Newton's face mask right away. So, you know, nullified by the penalty, should have maybe had another sack, but just a testament to a very strong individual performance by Akeem Hicks that was critical to sort of this rebirth, I think, of the Chicago Bears' pass rush, really got all after Cam Newton throughout this game and kept him uncomfortable, something we haven't seen consistently enough from this group, and it took a, an energized secondary and a bad offensive line to really get this front seven going, and Vic Fangio, to his credit, sent the blitz a lot more often. It felt like there were five, six guys coming after the quarterback more frequently. We saw more of the 4-3 defense. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But just a, a more aggressive Vic Fangio. So the fans concerned about his conservatism, your 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 concerns have been answered. But like I talked about last week on the podcast, the definitive Vic Fangio episode, we talked about that quote-unquote conservativeness and how he uses the blitz in certain situations Shies away from it in others. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and take a listen to it. I want to say it was last Tuesday or Wednesday show. I don't remember off the top of my head. And we, we really went through how this defense works and, and maybe some of the myths versus the reality of what Vic Fangio calls for this defense. Like I said, go back and listen to it. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss any episode because there's always some of those juicy nuggets every day. On the only daily Chicago Bears podcast, another guy with what I thought was a Pro Bowl performance, Danny Trevathan at inside linebacker, really came to play. And it's funny because you know Nick Kwiatkowski was active for this game, returning from his pectoral injury, and he did not play a single snap of defense. Christian Jones played all of the all of the inside linebacker snaps, although. Because they played more 4-3 in this game, they took him out quite a bit in the rotation, and and Danny Trevathan, you know, played a lot of snaps as the only inside linebacker, but still no Nick Kwiatkowski in the game, and they didn't need him because Danny Trevathan had just a a phenomenal all-around performance. Stepped up in run defense, made some key run stops and, and filling gaps where he needed to really help slow down this Carolina Panthers running game, particularly in the second half. As a blitzer, he got after the quarterback. I mentioned Vic Fangio sent guys a little bit more often. Trevathan rushed the passer nine times. PFF had him with one sack, one hit, and two quarterback hurries. Also had a batted pass in the game. And, of course, in pass coverage, had that interception late in the game. And He was matched up a lot with Christian McCaffrey in coverage and largely did a good job for against a guy who's supposed to be a mismatch against linebackers, too fast for linebackers. You know, he can do different things at wide receiver out of the backfield. Danny Trevathan did a good job in really all three, you know, aspects of defense. Coverage, pass rushing, and run defense. Of course, all of this is without having watched the All-22 tape. This is on first glance, but there was a lot of Jonathan Bullard in this game, particularly after Roy Robertson Harris got hurt. And I really thought he made some nice plays in run defense. PFF had him with a career high thirty nine snaps in this game, and a lot of that was in that four three you know look that Vic Fangio's been doing, putting Bullard both on defensive end and sometimes kicking him into the interior. But they found some place for him, and he made some nice moves against the left tackle Matt Khalil in particular in run defense. Had some trouble, you know. It wasn't that he, John, you know, it wasn't that Jonathan Bullard was in the backfield making tackles for losses every other play, but he was disruptive. He was forcing the running back to redirect, maybe setting things up for Danny Trevathan to fill in behind him and make a play, just little things like that, doing the dirty work. It was an important step forward for Jonathan Bullard, who had been one of the more disappointing players on this defense this season. I think Leonard Floyd, again, had a performance that gets the, the fan more fired up, but maybe that's a little bit too ambitious for what he was able to do. I mean, this was to me a lot of the same story from Leonard Foote. A lot of his pass rushes in this game and and the plays where he was getting pressure on the quarterback. I think 5 of his 7 hurries from PFF were either unblocked, you know, which is just a mistake by the Panthers or it's a play where he's he's chasing down Cam Newton, so he gets he pressures Cam Newton but really it's Four or five seconds into the play, where he's no longer being blocked and he's just chasing after a quarterback who has already been flushed out of the pocket by other defenders, and it's sort of these clean-up pressures where it goes down as affecting the quarterback on the stat sheet, but it's not an impressive pass rush in terms of beating a blocker and and making a play towards the quarterback. You know the sack that he had in the first quarter against the tight end, it was a great play. He bull rushed him. He got underneath his pads then went outside and brought down the quarterback, and Cam Newton didn't really stand a chance on the play. But that is against a tight end, one-on-one. Again, that was probably the most impressive pass rush of the game for him. And those are the plays you can get excited about, that I say yes. When he beats someone one-on-one, those are the impressive plays, the, the plays you can build on, the the sustainable plays. It's, it's the stuff that you want to see more of. But the Panthers gifted him a lot of production in terms of not blocking him, in terms of sometimes Cam Newton leaves the pocket early and Leonard Floyd can chase him down. But there were also plays when Floyd, you know, tries to make a move inside and he lets Cam Newton run around him outside and doesn't, you know, he might be trying to penetrate, but he has to, he has another job. He has to contain in addition to pass rush and he would give up moments there. I mean, this looked like 2016 Leonard Floyd again, which is great. That is a, a talented pass rusher. You know he can. 2016, Leonard Floyd got after the quarterback. He made those plays. He took advantage of the offensive line giving him opportunities, and other teams leaving him unblocked. And he was able to use his speed to chase down quarterbacks. Y- yes, that is the rookie Leonard Floyd. But we're still waiting for that next step. Ninth overall pick in the draft. Again, I'm not. I'm not trying to say anything greater about his career yet. But. Just trying to be more realistic on what he did in this game, he took advantage of a Panthers team that didn't, that wasn't very well prepared for him, and that that is important for the defense. And it's not a bad performance at all. It was that he had a good game, but let's not act like this was a Leonard Floyd coming out party or a a, a sign that he is t- turning the corner here and taking the next step. That's the difference I'm trying to show here. He made. He took advantage of some of what the defense, what the offense gave him, but th- those were the easy plays. Let's see Leonard Floyd make more of the hard plays before we start to crown him or you know get too fired up about growth. This was still last year's Leonard Floyd, which is good, but I'm just trying to keep expectations and sort of this this level of praise where it where it belongs, and that's good, but not you know phenomenal performance from Leonard Floyd. And I think the same thing can be said about Kyle Fuller. And I want to preface this again because we haven't had a chance to watch the All-22 film yet. But that, that also goes for the praise he's receiving. You know what I mean? Like, Kyle Fuller had a very good game. And I'm not, I'm not trying to take any of that away from him. But we, we, you see on Twitter overreaction to individual plays. You know, he stepped up and made a couple hard hits against the running back and on Cam Newton and one in particular, he got up and started jawing at Cam Newton a little bit. And you start to see people saying, oh, Kyle Fuller's going to get paid. He's making all these plays. You know, the broadcast pointed out one where he was in man coverage on a comeback route and played it well. You know, twice in a row they went to the same route. Cool. Those are good plays. He had a good game. But let's not crown him just yet. I mean, he made some big tackles. He made some large tackles. It wasn't like he was consistently stepping up and making huge plays against the run. And he looked better in man-to-man coverage. But let's not give Kyle Fuller a contract extension before we even watch the tape. I, I think we get caught up in the couple plays where we saw him on TV, but when you watch the broadcast of a game, you don't get to see Kyle Fuller on most plays. If the ball is thrown his way, you get to see, or if the ball is run to his side of the field, you get to see Kyle Fuller. But you only see, and most fans only pay attention to Kyle Fuller on the four or five plays a game when he is around the ball. And generally in this game, when he was around the ball, he was making he, he was making a tackle or doing a decent job in coverage. But that doesn't make him all of a sudden a, a great cornerback just yet without watching the All-22 tape. When I go back through, that'll be tomorrow's podcast. We'll break down the tape and I will tell you more. Of how well Kyle Fuller played, but I, I just I want to hesitate on crowning him as being the this great cornerback. He he had a good game, but like like Floyd, let's wait and see, and let's let's be objective football anal, analysts and and fans and, and audience members of this game, and just not get too carried away with with crowning a young player because you want him to succeed let's let's wait and see with Fuller just how well he did and let's wait and see with Floyd for him to make more individual impact, impressive plays, you know, not just taking the easy plays. I also just kind of think it's funny how Marcus Cooper has kind of just vanished. you know he started he was a starter week one because Prince of Mukamara was hurt. There was some a little bit of hype about him making a couple plays here and there. And now that Kyle Fuller has been playing better, and Prince Amukamara has been playing pretty darn well. Marcus Cooper is cornerback number four, and spends a lot of time on the bench. And he was banged up too. I understand it, but the rotation of the starting lineup has kind of vanished. And again, I know he was hurt, but gets in for seven plays in this game only because Kyle Fuller got hurt. And it's just kind of funny how you know this was the cornerback in free agency that Ryan Pace gave a three-year contract to, and kind of vanishing a little bit. I mean just something to something to keep in mind and something to monitor that he kind of fell out of the rotation as clearly the third best guy and Ryan Pace seemed to invest the most guaranteed money and the most years thinking he would be more perhaps more of a contributor. Maybe he's more of a stopgap and it's sort of working out well that they haven't needed him more, but just just something that I think gets a little bit overlooked when Kyle Fuller starts playing better and Printhamukamar plays well and this whole secondary really starts to make a name for itself. That's all happening without Marcus Cooper. But I think we've done a little bit of burying of the lead here because you know these safeties were very impressive again on first watch. I mean obviously Eddie Jackson, but I thought Adrian Amos had another two straight very very solid games and they seemed to kind of just balance each other out. Like they can both do a little bit of everything. But obviously Jackson is your more free safety, rangey kind of guy, and Amos is your downhill in the box strong safety. And thought Amos stepped up and made some plays against the run. And when he was thrown at in coverage, there were not yards after the catch. I mean he would he'd be right there. Maybe he allows the catch, but he wraps up and he makes the play and just solid, understated, strong performance from him. He had another pass breakup as well You know, getting up there and contesting the catch at, you know, when the ball gets there. Really like the development and the progress from him. And then Eddie Jackson. I mean, there's not much you can say about two touchdowns historically good. Has never happened at that distance before by anybody else. And actually, this was exactly one year to the day of when he broke his leg last year at Alabama, ending his college career potentially what dropped him to the fourth round to the Bears. Ryan Pace, I think, is ultimately pretty happy with the way that played out. And really, this was Eddie Jackson's coming out party. And I think more eyes will be paying attention to what he does every week moving forward, especially as the turnovers continue to come. Jackson really Single-handedly, I mean, almost single-handedly, won this game just in terms of putting up fourteen points. And this was largely a an all defensive performance. But of course, we have to touch on Mitchell Trubisky and this offense. And as as much as I as bad as they were, I don't necessarily hate what they did. You know, with him and the offense, I'm not. But you know, the, the big concern for me was your offensive line here. I mean, they were hot garbage in pass protection against the Panthers. Trubisky was, I mean, sometimes Trubisky held the ball too long, for sure. He didn't necessarily do them favors, but Dowell Loggins didn't do them any favors either. Trubisky was under pressure a lot and just couldn't, they, they couldn't protect their rookie quarterback. And that was perhaps the most concerning thing for me. You know, the running game really wasn't going, but... He was getting a lot of eight eight man boxes, nine man boxes. The the Panthers were just saying, We dare you to run it at you. And the Panthers continued to be able to defend it well. And there's only so much Jordan Howard can do. There's really only so much the offensive line can do. You know, I think the line, again, on first glance, they weren't great in run blocking, but they could only, you know, five offensive linemen can only block five defensive players. And when there's eight guys to try and block. There's only you know, there's only so much they can do, so I'm not going to kill the offensive line there, but I think Dowell Loggins deserves the majority of the blame here for why the offense was so ineffective. I think he needs to trust his quarterback, you know his rookie quarterback that has made critical plays in critical situations, albeit he has his limits, and just open it up more. Be a more dynamic offense. Like, it felt like the Bears offense was just playing not to lose, not playing to win. And they were playing, you know, in terms of play calling, they were playing scared. You know, keep the foot on the gas. They became so predictable. It's run, run, pass on third down. Sometimes they'd run on third down, two, three and out after three and out after three and out, no first downs, one pass thrown at a wide receiver all game. And really, I mean, there's, there's a couple things that really stood out to me the most, and Uh, maybe play along at home here. Question for you. Who is the best, or I guess who is the most talented, healthy wide receiver on the Chicago Bears right now? Maybe the fan in you wants to say Tanner Gentry, but, I mean, Kendall Wright is experienced. He makes plays. He's been been very good this season. Kendall Wright gets eight snaps in this game out of the 38 on the Bears' offense. I mean, Josh Bellamy got like three, and, and... Kendall Wright gets 8. You know, less almost a, a fourth of the team snaps has potentially your best wide receiver on the field not using your personnel here to have the best success to move the ball. And another another question for you here. Who did Dowell Loggins refer to this week as his best playmaker on the team? Maybe maybe you you think it should be Mitchell Trubisky, but he re, he was talking about Tariq Cohen and said You know, he's phenomenal. He's the best playmaker on our offense. Seven snaps out of 38. Kendall Wright had eight. Tariq Cohen had seven. Six of those seven snaps came at a wide receiver position, either out wide or in the slot. One play in the backfield. So eight for Kendall Wright, seven for Tariq Cohen. The fullback, Michael Burton, played 11 snaps. Adam Shaheen played 19. I mean, hello? I mean, you don't need, you know, you didn't need... Uh, a huge offensive performance in this game but I mean at some point come on you know but what what is what are you what are you playing for you know i mean, like the the Bears got lucky with the turnovers on defense like I said if if either of those turnover plays goes slightly differently or slightly normal how, how a typical pass breakup typical pass breakup on a slant goes incomplete on the ground. Typical lateral pitch in triple option for the Panthers is just caught. Maybe it's a two-yard gain or a zero-yard gain, but it's not a turnover. So if if either or neither of those turnovers happen, the Chicago Bears might have needed an offense to put up some points in this game, and they couldn't get anything going. So it, it begs the question, if they had needed to put up points, could they have put up points? And you might say, well, probably or at least maybe because they were just they they weren't trying to put up points, or they weren't trying as hard or they were just trying to whatever. But why if they were if that's the case, if they weren't trying, then why not? You know, why 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 not try and put up points? What's the what's the concern there? I don't feel like there's a, a good defense or a good reason here as to why this offense played the way it did. Don't just you know, if you're just trying to avoid the turnover. That's not that's not gonna be that's not winning football. And Mitchell Trubisky showed last week that he can throw it away. He can extend plays with his leg. He can obviously make big throws downfield like he did once in this game to put up three points. But largely there there should have just been more opportunities for that. It seemed like that was one of the few opportunities they let him drop back, air it out in a normal down and distance situation with pass protection. And instead we get, you know, three point four yards per carry or whatever it was you know, seven pass attempts, four completions, and a, a largely anemic offense, that's a concern. That shouldn't be overlooked by the fact that the Bears won by 14. It's just some another another strike against Dowell Lages in terms of play calling, personnel usage, when you have playmakers, even if it's not number one wide receivers. You have Kendall Wright and Tariq Cohen. They're just not playing. And Michael Burton and Adam Shaheen, are getting more snaps. I mean, you're sort of you're you're playing against yourself at, at that point, and comes back to Dowell Loggins, the play calling, the mentality, and the personnel usage. But that being said, it's not. This is not to harp on all the bad things. I mean, the Chicago Bears won this game pretty handily. I mean, as much as it didn't necessarily feel like that. I mean, seventeen to three on the scoreboard is a, a a respectable margin of victory. And by the fourth quarter, the Panthers really had nothing. And, you know, it's important to take away the positives from this as much as it's important to evaluate and say, where can they still get better? Where can they still grow? This defense, the biggest takeaway for me in this whole game is that this defense has young, exciting playmakers at every level. Akeem Hicks made huge, huge plays in this game. Danny Trevathan, all-around dominant performance at linebacker. Eddie Jackson won this game for the Bears. Adrian Amos made some great plays. You know, Kyle Fuller, Leonard Floyd, they played well, even if maybe that gets a little overstated or a little bit overhyped. And other guys on this defense largely doing their jobs. I mean, it's hard to find too many guys that played poorly in this game on the defense. I mean, certainly there were poor plays, but not a lot of guys who were consistently bad in this game. It was 11 players really playing well and when you have a defense that scores 14 points and holds the other team to three that's what it means to you know support your rookie quarterback you know the goal it seems like is always to make it easier for Mitchell Trubisky to promote his development don't put pressure on him in terms of having to do too much or trying to try and force too much they made it easy on the rookie quarterback and that sounds like mission accomplished in terms of what you do want out of a Bears game run the ball, play strong defense, and take the pressure off of the quarterback. He had a big 70-yard throw, but they didn't need much else from him. Maybe it wasn't pretty, but it was a W. You know they, they have a lot to work on offensively, still some things on defense to improve on, but this was a team that proved they can hang with talented opponents, even if the Panthers had their weaknesses, almost 100% purely because of the Chicago Bears defense. We haven't heard that in a long time. The Bears, you know, no matter what their offense does, attempt seven passes, gets a couple first downs in a game, they can hang with talented football teams because their defense is playing so well. It sounds like the Chicago Bears we all kind of grew to know, and it's just the same kind of thing that makes you want to bear down. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye singing dog. Bye goal. I pronounce you. Bye wedding ceremony. ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. (laughs) Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.